following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Matthew 7, let's look at verses 28 and 29. The Bible said, It came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes I'd like to teach on the subject tonight, Jesus and authority. Jesus and authority. Let's pray. Father, again, as we look into thy word tonight, Father, thank you for the word of God. And Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ, Father, in thee and thy word, we have authority. And Father, not authority to destroy or to control, but authority to help. I pray, God, as we look into the scripture tonight, that you'd help us to see this authority. And Father, may we all learn to be in submission to it. And Father, no matter who we are, how old we are in the Lord, all of us face things and questions, uh, sometimes of authority, uh, that we need to deal with. I pray, Father, that your will be done in every heart, your name be glorified. Father, thank you for this truth, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, Jesus and authority. Now, here in a text, the subject of authority is being discussed as Jesus spake as one having authority and not as the scribes. If you look with me to Matthew 15, Matthew chapter 15, and verse 1, Then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, why do, you not trans- why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, uh, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines and commandments of men. Here the problem really is a question of authority. With the scribes and Pharisees, they spent their time in teaching uh, human tradition, uh, religious traditions, and what have you, as something being of greater or equal authority uh, to uh, uh, the very words of God, only to find out, and even as we see in our text, that even as they spoke, there was something different about the way the Lord Jesus Christ spoke and what seemed to be an authority uh, that the religious leadership did not have. And it was obvious to the people, looking back at our text in, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, Matthew chapter 7, again uh, looking at uh, uh, verse 28, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one uh, having authority, and not as the scribes. Again, you know, there was a question of authority here, and the people themselves began to realize as they spent any time listening uh, to Jesus Christ speak that there was something different about the things that he said. There's something, there was something different about his manner and the message and the way it came forward to the people. He spoke as one having authority. And you know, let me say this, the word authority speaks of legal power or a right to command or to act as the authority of a prince over subjects, or parents over children, 
It speaks of power, rule, sway, and what have you. It's, we're talking about authority. Let me say this. Authority is a matter of, a, it's an issue, an important issue in every human being's life. In every walk of life, if you will, as we have examples of authority in all areas of life, if you will, Genesis 3 and 16, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, this is the one that blesses the hearts of women, amen. Genesis chapter 3 and 16, here the Bible says, And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and thou shalt bring forth children, uh, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. We're talking about the issue of authority, if you will. Look with me to 1 Corinthians 11 and 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse 1. <clears throat> now, some guys are saying, yeah, I've got the authority. Well, you know something? There's always responsibility where there's authority, amen? In 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, Paul writes, Be ye therefore be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ uh, is God. You know, it's important. You know, a lot, of, a lot of men like to focus on the fact that God has given the husband, if you will, uh, ultimate authority in one sense, not without consideration of the wife and her counsel, but uh, he bears the responsibility of authority and it's important, you know, the husbands like to say, you need to be in submission to me. But the husband has a head. And the husband's head is Christ. And be sure of this, if you're not in submission to God, or Christ as your head, uh, be careful about expecting and demanding submission from your wife. Amen. She is to be in submission, but so are you and I, who are husbands over wives, if you will, Colossians 1, Colossians 1, <clears throat> and I've, I've dealt with some men who are just, oh, they just love the idea of, of being in charge, <laughs> being the boss, and the Colossians 1 and 18, <clears throat> here the Bible says, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn of the dead, and that in all things he might please, that's not the one I'm looking for, <clears throat> Colossians 3. I'm sorry, I wrote the reference down myself. Ah, Colossians 3, now we've gotten to the real meat of the matter. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. That means the other husbands shouldn't be running on boss and other women around or what have you. And I've seen that happen. Your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You know, it's important that a wife submit her self to her own husband as it is fit you know it's not fit for a man to think that he has ultimate control over everything that his wife does remember you as the husband you're not a potentate you're a leader amen and you know what let me say this <clears throat> husbands do not have the right to dictate every little detail and thing that their wives do and submission does not mean that you have to do everything your husband's way at all times. I mean, if he's going to tell you to do something dumb, don't be dumb and do it. <laughs> Say, preacher, that's terrible. That's no, true. There's some dummies running around, imagine that they have authority that they don't have. Listen, let, you know what? Husbands, your wives are individuals. They have minds of their own. And to be in leadership 
doesn't mean you need to control everything they do and tell them how to do everything. I learned a long time ago when you try to do that with my wife, she has a big stick. And that's why I have some of the problems that I have. She hits me with it regularly, like, knock it off. Now we're talking about authority. If you will, look with me to uh, um, Exodus 20 and 12. Exodus 20 and verse 12. Here the Bible says, that's 21, Exodus 20 and verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, let's put that together with Ephesians, excuse me, Ephesians 6 and verse 1. Ephesians 6 and verse 1, we're talking about parental authority. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Here the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You know, while you're under the roof of your parents, do you realize they have authority over you? And if they want you to do something, they tell you to do something. Do you know what? As long as you live under their authority, do it. You do it. Okay? It's not up for debate. Now, now if they want you to sin, you don't do that. You don't have to obey them when they want you to sin. But you know what? If If you're living under the authority of your parents in their home... They have a right, they have the authority to tell you, do this and don't do this. Be sure of this too, that's important. They pay the bills, they take the responsibility, they have the authority. Now it goes on to say, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest live long in the earth, and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now always, and someone asked me this recently, do I have to obey my parents as an adult living on my own? No. 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 You're living on your own. You're responsible to Christ yourself personally. Uh, But you do, you do need to treat your parents with proper honor and respect at all times. You may not agree with them, they may not agree with you, but you treat them with honor and respect. That's just Bible. It's a part of parental authority. It's a part of, you know, when there's authority, you know what? And this is hard to do sometimes. Uh, Those that are in a position of of authority are to be treated with honor and respect. And sometimes it's hard when some are not respectable, but so it is that we are to treat them with respect. And when you're living at home, treat them with obedience. Amen. Amen. And let me say this, I think as our adult children get older, I think it's time for them to move out on their own and get a life and learn what it is to be responsible uh, to uh, be individuals. You know, sometimes, I think sometimes we're living in the past where we have, we have those that will not let go of adult daughters because they assume that they're supposed to stay home until they get married. Now let me tell you something, that's a custom among some of the Old Testament patriarchs that is not a command of Scripture. That's a custom. I think there's a point where we need to let go of our children, let them be what God has made them to be adults. Let them be adults, let them get out on their own, let them learn to make decisions for themselves. Now if they choose to live at home, then they need to choose to live under your authority. Because it's your home. But I think there are times when we need to let go 
of our children, if you will, let the, even though we have authority over them. If you will, look with me to Proverbs 8 and 15. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 15. Here the Bible says, By me kings reign, and princes decree justice. By, by me princes rule, and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. Now we're talking about civil authorities. You know, believe it or not, there was a time when uh, there were kings, and there are even still some kings and what have you. There are some uh, presidents who are trying to live as kings today, but they're not kings. That, yet there are civil authorities. And God allows them. You know, it's hard for me to swallow the pill that God may have allowed some who are now in the White House to be there. He may have allowed that, probably did, even though I don't care for it. Yet, uh, you know what? Uh, God established them in that place, allowed them at least to be there. Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. <clears throat> See, I'm like you sometimes. We all struggle with certain kinds of authority, sometimes those that sit in authority. In Daniel chapter 4, and looking at verse 28, the Bible says, And all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the twelfth months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom of uh, the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? And while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the, king, uh, the kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth, to, giveth it to whomsoever he will. Nebuchadnezzar learned that lesson, and we know the rest of the story won't read it all, but uh, he found out that the Lord is in control in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 and uh, verse 1, Romans 13 and 1, the Bible says, let every, subject be so, uh, let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnations. For rulers are not a terror to good works. They shouldn't be. Sometimes they are. But to the evil, wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt praise the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake, for this cause, pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, we have an elected government, and we have to obey. We need to, if you will, be subject unto those higher powers that have been, have been allowed and ordained of God at this time. As long as they're not telling us that we can't worship and serve God according to the Word of God. There's a time when we may have to say we have to obey God rather than man. But that should be the last resort, and, and I pray God it never happened in this nation, but someday it may happen. But there's civil authority. What about business authority? I like this. Look with me to um, 
Uh, Malachi 1 and 6. Malachi 1 and 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Say the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest that, that desire my name, despise my name, and ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? You offer polluted uh, um, uh, bread upon mine altar and sofa. But he talks about mine honor and what have you. You know, God, in a sense, is our master, and sometimes God has put over us bosses. And they, in a sense, have some mastership or authority in our lives as the boss on the job. And, you know, in many cases when the Bible speaks, if you look with me to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and verses 5 through 9, the Bible says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Now, there are times when we may have bosses that we feel like are cruel taskmasters, but uh, um, they're not masters, and yet they have some leadership. The boss has some leadership in our lives, authority in our lives on the job. Um, Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singles of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall receive, shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And so and then he goes on to talk about you masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Now we're talking about master and servant relationship, we're talking about slavery. And uh, God told those that were slaves, saved by the grace of God, to be obedient to their masters. Now, again, there are times when sometimes we feel as if we're under a slave master at our job. But <laughs> nonetheless, they're not slave masters. And they are, we are to obey the authority that they have over us on a job. We're, we're to be obedient to their authority. We're to do our best, do our best job. And not, you know, sometimes they say, well, I, I just can't stand this person. And, I, and so maybe I'm not going to do my best because I'm angry at them. We serve the Lord Christ. Our service is as unto Christ and not to men. We are obedient to authority even when it's not the kind of authority we'd like. And then lastly, there's ecclesiastical authority. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, as we've talked several times recently about the qualifications of a bishop and pastor. You're looking at verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? He's talking about rule or leadership or authority. And again, Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13 and 17, as we've seen many times, Obey them that have the rule over you. He's talking about religious leadership, spiritual leadership. Submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. You know, sometimes pastors try to teach people what they ought to do and what is right. We cannot make you do it. We have the authority to teach you and tell you, thus say the Lord, this is what you ought to do. This is what God wants you to do. 
But the unfortunate thing is, is that we can't make you do what we know the Bible says is right. It has to be your choice. And God says for you to, if you will, obey them. And as if we would obey Christ. Amen. Not that the preacher is Christ or is representative of the Pope or whatever. Nothing like that. But there is authority in ecclesiastical or, if we will, religious matters. Looking back to our text in Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, that's just the introduction. We'll be here for another three hours, but hey, it's early. Amen. <laughs> Matthew 7. And again, in verse 28, And it came to pass, when Jesus said unto these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. So as we talk about the fact, we know there's authority in all aspects and walks of life. And we can't get away from it. Amen? And we shouldn't want to get away from it. You don't, sometimes this is true. We in our human nature, we in our human nature, sometimes naturally rebel against the authority of God in our lives and the authorities in our lives, the authorities that God has established in our lives. You know what, folks? You need to try to get away from that tendency. I know there are sometimes people who come out of false religions and false churches that struggle with authority in religious matter because of the abuse of authority. And we need to understand that. People are going to struggle with that from time to time, but then it's, it's going to be hard for them to maybe to understand uh, the authority of Christ and, and what have you. And so we want to talk about that tonight in two areas. First of all, the authority of the incarnation. Now, Jesus was not just a carpenter. He was not just an ordinary man. Jesus Christ is who God in the flesh. It says in John 1, if you look there with me, we've looked at these verses again, but I want us to look at these in relationship to authority. In John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you will look at verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We're talking about, if you will, the authority of the incarnation. The Word, or God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the word incarnation is defined in this way. It is the act of clothing with flesh. My wife, when she teaches uh, kids about uh, uh, God becoming a man, she talks about how God put on flesh, put on skin. And I was reading this definition, I'm thinking, yeah, that was pretty appropriate, amen. You know, for kids, they think, oh, put on skin. I don't know if they're thinking. I wonder when she says that, what are they thinking? Okay, Jesus steps into his overall skins and zips it up. I I don't know what, you know, kids think strange things. Sometimes I think strange things, but... Uh, the incarnation is the act of clothing with flesh. It is the act of assuming flesh or taking a human body and the nature of man as the incarnation of the Son of God or God the Son. God became a man. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians 1, Colossians chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 12 through 19 Colossians 1, 12 through 19, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation, of every creature, I should say. 
and uh, <clears throat> uh, verse 18, he is the head. Uh, he is, well, let's start, let's look back here. It says, who's the, verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For him by we're all, for him by, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all, he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church who is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Now, who is higher in power than God? No one. No one. Folks, it was absolutely different for Jesus to come and teach his people because he had the ultimate authority. And, you know, I don't believe he spoke in harsh terms or in harsh tones or in nastiness in order to assume a position of authority. But he did speak with authority as God in the flesh. Amen? He is the image of the invisible uh, God in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. The first thing is, is God was manifest in the flesh. In who? In the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That was why as he spoke, he spoke as God. God supreme above all. at verse 1, God who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath of these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, and again... <clears throat> It says in verse 4, But being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he, At any time thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flaming fire. But unto the son saith he, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Folks, Jesus Christ, though he did not sit upon an earthly throne when he was alive the first time, was nonetheless the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? And he spoke as one having authority, the authority of the incarnation, the image of the invisible God. Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Looking, if you will, to verse 23. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave this authority? You know why? Because they looked at Jesus as just being a carpenter, the son of Joseph. And yet he was more than that. And Jesus answered and said unto him, I, will, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I will in likewise tell you by what authority I do these things. 
the baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not believe, then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. I mean, they're a problem. They know where John came from. They know who, who sent John. The Bible says in John 1 that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. They knew he was sent from God, a prophet of God, had the authority of God. He po- and Christ knew exactly what he was doing when he posed that question back to them. <clears throat> Verse 26, But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. Now, what a lie. They do. As if they thought Jesus was stupid, I guess. I don't know. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. He knew beforehand what their response was going to be. And you know what? He's basically saying, I have the same authority as John. Only greater. Well, he can't get any greater than the authority of God. It was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, that gave even John his authority for what he was doing. You know, it's amazing to me sometimes, folks, that we struggle with obedience, and our struggle with obedience sometimes is a struggle over authority. Amen. And the authority that God has over our lives. You know, John, uh, Paul said, Saul of Tarsus, as soon as he got said, say, saved, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, you know what, folks? Uh, uh, you know, that's an initial response from a new convert. But the problem is, and the sad thing is, is that sometimes the longer we're saved, there's a great conflict over the, the issue of whether the Lord has a right to tell us what to do and whether our heart says, Lord, what will thou have me to do? We're talking about a question of authority. You know, God is still God. Jesus Christ is still our Lord and Savior. And our hearts should still be obedience to the authority of Christ in our lives. You know, when Christ spoke, he spoke as God in the person of a man. Something altogether different than what they were used to. And if you will look back to Matthew 7, Matthew 7, and see the last thing tonight. Matthew 7. Well, this last point will take two hours. The first hour was over. Matthew 7. Esther's going, man, I hope not. (laughs) I'm getting tired already. It's okay, Esther, I'm almost done. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You know, the authority of the incarnation and the authority of inspiration. Remember, folks, as Christ spoke, he is God, and his words were the inspired word of God. They came literally from the breath and the mouth of God. And yet, you know, these religious Jews and sometimes religious people, they look at the Bible. You know, I don't know how many times I've had people say to me, well, that's just a, that's, those are the writings of men. And then you try to explain to them the idea of inspiration and the authority of the Word of God. And John, excuse me, Genesis chapter 1. Look over there with me. Genesis 1 and verse 1. <clears throat> I 
Bible says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And repeatedly the Bible says, and God said, let there be you know, God, through the authority of his word, spoke the world into existence. All that we see and know today, all that we see and know today, came into existence by the authority of the inspiration of God or the word of God. If you will, Psalm 33, Psalm 33, <clears throat> verses 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. I mean, folks, there's no greater authority for God just to simply say, and let there be, and it happened. I mean, wow, what authority, what power there was and is in the Word of God. Genesis 3 and 6. Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> and verse 6. <clears throat> the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for the eye, for food to, uh, that was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. The voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. Christ, the word God the Word, they heard the voice of God. Folks, the, the voice of God speaks of inspiration, speaks of authority. And you know, folks, it's very important, the authority of God and the authority of His Word, the inspired Word of God. It goes on to say, <clears throat> And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You know, folks, over and over, they're talking to God. They're speaking of the voice of God. They're speaking of the word of God, God with us. Amen. They're speaking of the incarnated. Now, at this point, he is not in flesh, and yet he is God. He is alive and well, the word of God. There, alive and well, speaking to man with authority the authority, if you will, of inspiration. And Matthew 4, look with me there. Matthew 4. And verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And folks, you know, the devil understood authority. Though the devil des desired to be like the Most High God, 
higher than God. He was still created by God and understood the authority of God. He, though he rebelled against it, he understood authority. Verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know, we, I was talking to someone about the idea of the d- different versions of the Bible and whether the Bible was a Bible written by men. I said, you know what? If it's a book written by men, what good is it? If it's a book written simply by men, what good is it? There's been a, millions of books written by men. Sometimes with little or no good, sometimes with some good. But when it comes to God, when it comes to God, there's one book written with men, through men, but the words are God's words. He talks about, and I asked somebody one time, I said, what is he talking about here? Man shall live by, not, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Show me those words. Show me those words. It is written. Amen. Repeatedly in that that chapter itself, three times he says, it is written, it is written. Christ was pointing to the inspired word of God. You know, in 2 Timothy 3, let's look there, 2 Timothy 3. Begin in verse 13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We see that with false religion. And you know what people do in false religion? They try to exercise authority over the lives of other people. They do. They do. And sometimes people will let them. But continue thou in the things which thou hast heard uh, learned, uh, which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Um, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now remember, they, the people were astonished at his doctrine. What was his doctrine? The word of God. It was the word of God. And folks, inspiration is that God breathed his words into man by his Holy Spirit. God breathed his words into man, through man to man, by his Holy Spirit. You know, folks, if you look with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, you know, so much of this is review. And we say, I've heard this all before. Do you know what? the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, and it should be this way now, the authority for what we do and the fact that we have some authority is going to be very important. It's going to be very important. Because one of these days, there are going to be authorities that be who may challenge our authority for doing and saying what we do and what we say. And you know what? We we better be sure, we better be sure of our authority. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place <clears throat> until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not at old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved 
by the Holy Ghost. If you will, we're talking about inspiration. 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. <clears throat> Looking at verse 1, 2 Samuel 23 and 1. <clears throat> Now these be the last words of David, that David, the son of Jesse, the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He said this, said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me. He, he that ruleth over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. Now David understood that God was inspiring or breathing through him his words to other men, not only to himself, but to all men. And there, there was great authority with that. Look at me to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49. <clears throat> and look at verse 22, Isaiah 49 and 22. Bible says, thus saith the Lord. Now we won't read the entire verse, but you know that phrase, thus saith the Lord, appears uh, <clears throat> 85 times in the scripture, 85 times. And folks, what God is saying in those words through a prophet is thus say, Lord, this is what I'm saying to you. There's authority when God speaks and says, thus saith the Lord. You know what God is saying? Sit up, take notice, pay attention, and let me have the authority in your life. Amen. You know, we get ourselves in a lot of trouble when we decide that we're the ultimate authority in our lives. Now, you know what? God has given you the right to choose whether you will let God be your God or whether you'll choose some other God or even make yourself God. You know, sometimes when men turn away from God, it's because they want to be the final authority in their own lives. You and I will never get away from God's authority. Whether it be in this life and the, or the, the life to come. In Luke 1, Luke 1, beginning in verse 67. Luke 1, beginning in verse 67. And his father, Zacharias, speaking of John Baptist's father, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, God speaking through him, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, and as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. The Holy Spirit's leading Zacharias, John Baptist's father, at the birth of John Baptist to prophesy, to prophesy of where prophecy comes from, or if you will, where the inspiration for the words of God come from. In 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, <clears throat> let's begin. <clears throat> First uh, Peter 1, let's begin in verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though 
Now you see him not yet believing and rejoice with joy unspeakable, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who uh, prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, seeing what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Again, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God inspired these prophets to write and prophesy of the coming Christ. In Revelation 19, Revelation 19, and we'll begin in verse 1. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with uh, her fornication and avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Alleluia, or says, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his saints, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard it, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they uh, which are called in the marriage of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are, these thing, uh, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet and worship him. I'll do it not, for I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have had the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We're talking about inspiration, if you will. John 3. John chapter 3. <clears throat> Looking at verse 30. Here the Bible says, He, John Baptist says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all, and he that is of the earth is earthy, and, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all, and what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receiveth his testimony, and he that received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he, he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The, for he whom God has sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth giveth not his spirit by measure unto him. You know, folks, God in Christ spoke the words of God. Those sent by him, inspired of him, spoke the words of God in John 12, John 12 and verse 48 to 50. The Bible says, he that rejected me, now Jesus said this, he that rejected me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have, spoken in the, I, have, or I have not spoken of myself, but my Father which sent me, he gave me commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know 
that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I shall I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Again, we know that Christ is God the Father, God the Son. He's God the Holy Spirit. And as he spoke, he spoke the words of God. And folks, you know what? There's authority in those things. There's authority for Jesus because of the incarnation, because of the inspiration. Amen. Now, the problem is, you know, when, when folks reject Christ, they often reject the authority of God over their lives. They don't, they don't take heed to the word of God. They don't take heed to God the Son, who is God over all. Blessed forever. Amen. He is the Lord. And sometimes if we're not careful, we Christians can get to a place or get into a mode where we reject the authority of God over our lives and his word. You know, it's not, it's not a coincidence that God calls much of his word commandments. God has given us 10 commandments, not 10 suggestions. It's been said by many people. It's not new with me. You know, God has given us commandments. God has given us a direction because he is God. And listen, and his word is law. His word is law. And I've thought about this much lately. You know, after the tribulation period, when the Lord sets up his kingdom in this world, he will rule this world according to his word. He'll rule with a rod of iron. But never, never forget this. He will still rule as a merciful God, as a forgiving God, as a loving God. Those things won't go away. For a thousand generations, they won't go away. Okay? For a hundred generations, however it is. But you know what, folks? And you know what? I think they're going to be surprised at how well things go. Amen? How well things go. You know, we've, we've tried to have it our own way, and I'll tell you what, man does nothing but mess it up. Amen? When we have it our own way, we do nothing but mess it up. But when we do it God's way, it comes out the right place. Matthew 7 and I'm done. Matthew 7, I'm done. Say about time, preacher. Verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and um, doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever driven the Gulf Coast before. I was... Need to have a talk after services. All that, that burping and hiccup, and there's something going on there. Hope is not a, some spirits going on there, amen. <laughs> but how many of you have ever been driven on the Gulf Coast before? Tell you what, it's a, it's a strange place because you drive along the coast. I, remember, I was stationed in Biloxi, Mississippi. 
And I remember years ago they had hurricanes, and they still sometimes have hurricanes. You know that place is, is, is sometimes just looks like a, a graveyard wreck. And people still rebuild houses over and over and over again. They build them in other places around the, 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 the Florida Panhandle, all, all over the place, on the seashore, knowing, knowing that a hurricane could come. They're built out close to the sand, and when the winds blow and the storm howls and they get washed away again, what do they do? They go and rebuild in the same place. Now, why? Seems kind of foolish to me. It's like the people who build their houses on the side of a hill, a cliff. Oh, we've got it secure until it rains like cats and dogs for days and days and days, and all of a sudden the mud starts to slide. And when it's all said and done, it's destroyed, and what do they do? They go and build their house back on the side of the hill. Now, you know what? <clears throat> we don't like to use the term dumb and stupid, but it sure looks and sounds dumb and stupid. And yet sometimes we do dumb and stupid things because we ignore God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com. Thank you.